I am strong. I am disciplined. I am beautiful. I am worthy. I am lipolethros. Ask your doctor if lipolethros is right for you. Side effects may include increased appetite, difficulty sleeping, mood changes, trouble focusing, unusual cravings, extreme weight loss, hair loss, hyperhidrosis, increased irritability, hair loss, tooth decay, criminality, frequent bowel movements, restless leg syndrome, mania, depression, thoughts of self-harm, thoughts of harm to others, not approved for human use. Welcome to the Twisted Mirror. Just a few reminders before we hop into part two and the conclusion of The Hunger. Once again, I'd like to thank Katie of True Crime Campfire for bringing this episode to life. Please give TCC a listen. You won't regret it. I'm recording this intro ahead of time, but I actually have plans to be a guest on their show in October. So by the time you hear this, you might find me over there as a recent guest. Uh, We're actually plotting out the episode right now. It's going to be really cool and fun, and they are awesome women. So definitely head over there to check out their huge catalog of episodes. I guarantee if you're into true crime, you're going to find stuff you have never heard of there. Or follow my socials, any of the Twisted Mirror, the IG, the TikTok, anything like that. And you will definitely see when I announce my appearance on the show. The full version of this story with the deleted scene is available on Patreon. Patrons get early ad-free episodes, multi-parters all at once, unabridged versions when available, such as the version of The Hunger that's up there now, bonus episodes of all kinds, and some unique perks. Tiers start as low as $3. As an independent podcast, your support makes this show possible. The more I can grow it, the more fresh meat I can put out for you all. There is also a merch sale this entire month. You can go to twistedmirrorpodcast.com, click on merch on the navigation, and use the code TWISTED to get 15% off merch. If funds are tight, I get it. Groceries aren't getting any cheaper. There are free ways you can help, and they have a huge impact. Please take out a minute of your day to show Twisted Mirror some love on Apple or wherever you listen by leaving a rating and review. This is essential to getting the word out. I don't have a marketing staff or advertising budget, so it's just me and you trying to share our love of the macabre. The podcast market is saturated, and for the cream to rise, podcast apps rely on reviews to decide what they will push with their algorithms. So any sort of review or rating helps. And then if you want to mention Twisted Mirror on Facebook, Reddit, TikTok, wherever you are, that also helps a ton. Finally, as I mentioned earlier, you can stay in touch on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. Just search for Twisted Mirror. I won't be hard to find. You'll see that black, red, and white logo. Um, I promise I won't do any dancing videos, unless it's for a true horror episode. All right, let's find out how that little pink pill ends up working out for Yara. You are now staring into the Twisted Yara woke up before her alarm, a rare event. It was 5.45am, and yet she had no urge to turn over and hit snooze. 
Instead, she listened to the birds chirping outside for a minute before springing out of bed. She had felt more awake than she had for a long time. Waking up was usually a long, drawn-out process for her. Could this be the pill? It had to be. The effects didn't feel artificial or jittery in the way that one might feel after five shots of espresso. It felt so natural, so organic. Maybe this was the placebo effect. She threw on gym clothes and raced toward the front door, catching a glimpse of last night's damage. Mac and cheese, half a bottle of wine, and a giant slice of chocolate cake. All that was left were the open containers and some errant crumbs on the counter. She noticed then that she didn't feel bloated or gassy as she often did after being bad. She actually felt springy and lighter on her feet. This rocks, she thought, not feeling a single side effect so far. Yara went on a 40-minute run-slash-walk interval and returned home, drenched in sweat. She was famished, though, but now she understood what Belinda meant. She felt like a muscle car. She felt her cells charged, coursing with and consuming energy. On her way to work, she stopped at a coffee shop and got one of those sugary, hot espresso monstrosities that has, like, a ten-word name and a breakfast sandwich. No, she hadn't lost weight yet, but she figured she'd test lipolethrosis effects by not holding back. When she got to work, she wasn't all that bothered about the paycheck thing. It's not that she didn't care, but she was so excited about the newfound energy, the great workout, and her delicious breakfast that she was in far too jovial of a mood to have that talk. She would get to it soon, for sure. When she got home that night, she swore she felt lighter, her jeans a bit looser. Yara was incredulous that it could work this quickly. So she went into the bathroom and got on the scale. Holy shit. Five pounds gone. After a full day of eating anything she wanted with abandon, the best part? She wasn't even done. She opened an app and ordered a deep dish pizza and ate half of it as she finally caught up on Real Housewives. It had been a week since Yara had taken that pill. A week of hikes and gym sessions and pasta and cake and Chinese noodles and ice cream for breakfast and sugary morning coffee abominations. She was down 11 pounds. Yes, 11. She broke the stubborn 10-pound loss mark where she had always seemed to plateau. She realized that that ever-elusive number, while a great accomplishment, did not achieve the body she had visualized. She scrolled Instagram and TikTok with vigor, feeling she could now emulate the women in the countless fitness accounts she used to peruse with envy. While her clothes were slightly looser, she was still soft and marshmallow-like. She craved a very specific look. Soft, but not too soft. Hard, but not too hard. Abs, but without losing the femininity of her shapely hips and ample rack. She didn't know what the number would be on the scale to accomplish the look, but she felt if she kept going, she would achieve it. Not only that, everything about her seemed up. Her mood, her energy, her skin was starting to turn clearer than it ever had, her hair felt thicker and like it may have grown more than usual. No matter how much she ate, she never felt gross or heavy or bloated. Never had the urge to vomit, no bubble gut like she used to get from her guilty binges. Her body received those nutrients and turned them over quickly. 
These weren't guilty binges anymore. Food was pure, high-octane fuel. She opened an app. This time, she would pick up the food to save some money, as eating for a metabolism like hers was certainly a cost she hadn't accounted for, but it was worth the investment. Let's see. A hot pot of Tom Yum, chicken satay, summer rolls, pad thai with shrimp, garlic and basil stir-fry with chicken. That should hold her over until morning. Two weeks had passed since she swallowed the pill. She was now down 17 pounds. That scale number alone didn't represent how her body composition was changing. Her butt was getting tighter, her legs and arms firmer from her rigorous workouts. She wasn't there yet, though. As she rotated in front of her full-body mirror for her morning body check, she still saw the faint silhouette of saddlebags, and if she lifted her arms and waved, they still had an unacceptable level of jiggle. Her legs had come a long way, but the dimples that pitted her thighs and hamstrings like the skin of an orange was something she was determined to rid herself of. By this time, people were noticing. She went to a thrift store to buy some cheap outfits. She didn't want to invest too much cash into a new wardrobe until she reached her goal. When she arrived at work with a fitted outfit and a lush blowout, her hair had gotten fuller and about an inch longer in that time. The compliments started pouring in. She even caught Russell checking her out. You look great. Have you been working out? What's your secret? She even FaceTimed her mom on her lunch break. That's how hot she was feeling. And even that woman had given her a compliment. You look so much better, she said before warning her about falling off the wagon. Yara had taken to cooking as feeding this fledgling hot bod was getting costly. She wanted, needed, all the carbs, all the fat, heaps of rice and pasta and cheese, even the occasional huge flap of steak. She found herself eating more and more meat. If she went a day without an extra large serving of animal protein, the carbs and fat alone wouldn't address a deep need she could feel down to her cells. Calories were no longer her frenemy. As far as work, she hadn't gotten around to asking about that raise yet. She would soon, though. She was waiting until she got to a respectable weight, since she thought that would help her cause. On the 14th evening, Yara made four pasta boxes worth of fettuccine alfredo, accompanied by 16 ounces of grilled chicken breasts. She also made a serving bowl-sized salad to ensure she got her micronutrients. This wasn't just about her looks, she told herself. This was about getting healthy. By the time she was ready to consume her meal, she was possessed by a deep, raw animal hunger. It was like she couldn't get the food into her mouth fast enough, opting for a serving spoon to heat each bite into her mouth. She didn't cut the four-ounce chicken breasts. That was pointless. Instead, She stabbed them with a fork and ripped out massive chunks with each bite. About a quarter of the way through, there was a knock at her door. Yara hastily ran the rest of the food to the kitchen. She intended to eat it all, but at least the hunger had dulled enough to allow her to take pause. She looked through the peephole and saw that it was Vic. She had run into him earlier that day, just as she was returning from her morning run, 
which had progressed from a 1.5 mile walk slash run on day one to a five mile uninterrupted 47 minute steady clip by day 14. Vic was driving by and slowed down to say hi. He didn't say anything about her new look, but the way his eyes lingered a little longer on her, the way his eyelids did this ever so slight sleepy thing, the way he smirked, it was different. She didn't let herself dwell on it too much. She had misread signs from Vic before, but deep down inside she knew the weight loss was working. She fixed herself in front of the small mirror by the door and pulled it open. Hey, she said. Hey, Vic replied. How's it going? Vic waved a few $20 bills in between them. I've been meaning to give this to you. I've been so busy. Sorry about that. Yep. Something was different. Oh, it's nothing, Yara said with a wave. The past is in the past. This was a new Yara, a new beginning. New Yara didn't have to awkwardly ask to be paid back. So, Vic continued, have you watched Death March yet? She had, on the night the streaming service dropped it while eating a party-sized container of Rocky Road ice cream. No, work and stuff has just been... That wasn't really true, though, either. Yes, she had been getting more work done than ever, but it didn't drain her, didn't exhaust her. She had plenty of energy at the end of the day to hit a second workout and then watch whatever show she wanted, guilt-free. Vic shifted his weight in a way that signaled the slightest bit of nervousness. Most people wouldn't have noticed it, but she had known Vic when she was different, and his body language was unyielding before. I was about to watch it. The kids are over at court. I know you love horror, so I figured I'd check if you want to. Uh, yeah, yeah, when? I'm free now, or we could do later? Now is good, sure. My place or yours? Whichever is fine, but mine is littered with kid toys, admittedly. Yara stepped to the side. Well, come on in. Why don't you get it going and I'll make us some popcorn? That night was awesome. They sat close on the sofa and watched Death March. The transition from a pure platonic relationship to something else can be tricky and awkward and slow. That was okay, though. Yara thought her body could be better for their first hookup. And she liked the sweet tension, the little deliciously painful pit in her stomach from the will-they-or-won't-they energy that had started to form. There was only one thing. And it wasn't a big deal, but something that should be noted. About three quarters into the movie, her unfinished dinner called out to her from the kitchen. Yara was not a greedy person, but she needed every calorie she could afford. And if she ate in Vic's presence, she'd have to offer him some. It wasn't like she was starving, but let's just say she was grateful the murderous screams in the movie covered up her growling stomach. Once the movie ended, they talked for a bit. The conversation turned to working out. Vic was fit. Countless times she had peeked out her second floor window to see him cruising in, sweaty and shirtless after a run. Before he split, they had solidified plans to run together the next morning. As soon as Vic left, Yara didn't have time to dwell on this exciting development. That Vic was obviously feeling her and had made plans that didn't involve him hanging out with him and the kids at her place. 
They had sexy plans, the kinds of plans hot, successful people have, early morning runs along the pier and green smoothies afterward. Yara raced to the kitchen. It didn't matter that the Alfredo sauce was clumpy and cold from sitting out for a couple hours. She shoved heaping mounds from the serving spoon into her mouth hole, her food delivery system. That's all it was at this moment. Fuck the fork. She grabbed the chicken breast hole and chomped down the way people scarf down hot dogs in eating competitions. By the time she swallowed the last mouthful of cold Alfredo pasta, she leaned back on the counter, breathless. It was an epic eating sprint. She wiped her mouth across her sleeve and dipped her head back. Relief. Satisfaction. Yara trudged to her bathroom, did her nightly routine, and slipped into her fresh, comfy sheets. She was looking forward to tomorrow. She started doing that more lately, looking forward to the next day. That was the first night she woke up to a gnawing hunger. When she slipped into a peaceful slumber, she had felt a complete state of balance and bliss. But at 3.11 a.m., she woke up to a deep lack. Her stomach would not wait for her pre-run breakfast. Sleep was secondary to sustenance. She groaned as she sat up. Boundless energy requires a good night's sleep, and she wasn't done recharging. But she needed more fuel. So she dragged her feet to the kitchen, and with her eyelids half open, began to open up cupboards. And by the time the blinding lights of the fridge confronted her, she was awake. She didn't want to cook, not at that hour, and so she grabbed anything readily consumable and prepackaged. Sleeves of cookies, a serving bowl full of different kinds of cereal and whole milk. She was learning to go for calorie-dense foods, and fatty foods were the most caloric. She finished off the container of milk after that, and finally, finally, the gnawing hunger retired. Yara did a little math in her head, hoping this late-night hunger attack was a one-time thing. She had to tightly budget her meals now got herself a membership to one of those warehouse stores so she could buy bags of frozen chicken and burger patties, boxes of produce, bricks of butter and nut butters, and bulk sports drinks. She stood next to families in line, two parents with a disinterested teenager on their smartphone and two little ones swinging off the fully loaded cart. Other than the 48-roll package of TP, their grocery needs seemed to match hers. Yara was down 31 pounds. Even she couldn't deny she was officially trim, but she could get tighter, more toned. She could lose another 10, maybe even 15. It seemed every time she reached her new goal, there was more to go. The fitter she got, the hungrier she became, but she was managing. She made monster smoothies that she sipped on all day, the kind skinny guys used to gain weight. This allowed her to get in the calories she needed before finding herself so hungry that she'd eat whole chickens over the communal sink the way she did when she got home from work. She still made sure she had a solid lunch and dinner. Unfortunately, the middle of the night wake-ups became a nightly occurrence. A minor inconvenience in exchange for the perfect bod. She prepared for her midnight wake-ups by keeping monster-sized smoothies in the fridge that she prepped before bed. Her body was now a food processing factory an energy plant of sorts, and much of her time outside of work was dedicated to the maintenance of it. Yara needed a raise. Yara knew she was a person who had a leg to stand on. 
the kind of person who dressed and groomed like the women on the sales team, who went for morning runs with her hot neighbor. They hadn't crossed the line into anything yet, but they had gone on a morning run together nearly every weekday and hung out a few nights. Only one of them involved kiddos. She thought about Belinda's words to her, about people who matter not caring about weight or looks. How naive. Week four was when things shifted into a new gear. Yara was now down 47 pounds. But like a sculptor perfecting a work of art, she always found there was room to make a tweak here or there. Her butt could be rounder, her arms a little more toned. She had noticed her breasts had lost a good amount of their volume. She couldn't afford it yet, but she found herself googling plastic surgeons, just browsing the cost of a boob job. She obsessively followed social media accounts about exercise, trying to find that magic bullet that would have her look just like the perfectly polished women that peppered her feed, with 24-inch waists, pert large breasts, and solid orbs for ash cheeks. Keeping a steady weight while hitting the gym even harder to achieve these goals required constant attention. For so long, she had fantasized about eating whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted, but she was growing tired of the food prep. Having access to so many calorie-rich foods, she had started to lose her taste for them. Nothing was special anymore. Food was less a source of pleasure and simply a means to fill an increasingly ever-present primal hunger. Despite all of her budgeting, Yara had used up the savings she had put aside for a new car and started using her emergency credit card to pay for groceries. She was eating more than ever to stem the weight loss. She didn't want to get too thin, There is a very specific space where the ideal female body lies. She always been concerned personally with fatness, but now she found herself in the ironic position of not wanting to get too lean, to lose her shapely ass and full breasts. And she no longer found herself eating for extreme weight loss, but wanting to nail the landing on a very tight runway between lean and feminine. It was towards the end of week four that the unthinkable happened. Late in the night, she shot out of bed, absolutely famished. She ran to her kitchen and opened the fridge where her giant pitcher of weight-gaining smoothie awaited her. In her hunger-fueled haste, she knocked over the pitcher and it shattered onto the floor. About $50 of protein, fat, produce, and boosters was gone. Yara had held herself to a strict budget as she was quickly approaching her credit card limit, and that was the last of her shake ingredients. No, <laughs> Yara wailed as she dropped to her knees, dipping her fingers into the puddle on the floor and licking the tips. But it was littered with shattered pieces of plastic. It was a total loss. She wept over the remnants. But she didn't have time to feel sorry for herself. Her stomach growled as if it had a mind of its own. She had to eat something now. She searched her fridge, and all that sat there were the raw ingredients for tomorrow's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Eggs? a family-sized pack of raw chicken breasts, raw ground beef, bins of raw produce. It wasn't really a decision, as a decision implies choice. This was biological. This was involuntary. Like a wild cat lunging at prey, Yara dove headfirst into the fridge, clawing at the plastic liners holding the raw animal protein. She tore open the package of chicken breasts and held one in her hand only pausing for a fraction of a moment to contemplate her next move before biting down on the slimy, slippery, pale cut. 
She ripped a chunk away and chewed on the cold, wet, tasteless fibers. It had a wet, crunchy texture that was far harder to chew than cooked chicken. Her jaw muscles burned like her legs did during squats. There was nothing enjoyable about the experience, yet she could not stop. The bottomless vacuum of hunger was too powerful a force to resist. Yara ripped a raw head of broccoli from the produce container and gorged on the florets. She found it increasingly hard to chew, so she cracked open an egg and sucked down the raw yolk to lube the raw broccoli on the way down her gullet. After eating four large, raw, skinless chicken breasts, a head of broccoli, including the stem, four raw eggs, and a box of uncooked pasta, Yara could finally take a breath. After letting out a loud belch, she stumbled out of the kitchen in a stupor, leaving behind the evidence of her carnage. Sticky eggshells and sharp plastic shards swimming in the purple pool of her masquing smoothie, tinted by the pint of blueberries she used. She didn't want to think about what she had just done. She just wanted to go to sleep in the few hours of peace she had before she had to think about food again. She wanted to believe that this was a fluke, the way she had hoped her first midnight binge was just a one-time affair. Yara washed the mixture of saliva, chicken slime, and raw egg off of her hands and out of her mouth, and crawled into her sheets. She never ate in bed. She hated the crumbs. Jamie's visit had finally arrived. Yara was excited for her to see her progress. They'd both been so busy, their calls leading up until the visit were brief check-ins in anticipation of the visit, when they could do all the catching up in the world. It would only be about five days, and Yara had asked for three days off from work well in advance, in combination with the weekend, so they could spend all the time together. The visit, however, didn't turn out the way she had hoped. First off, Janie could not hide the look on her face when Yara picked her up from the airport. Yara expected shock, but the shock was not the good type of shock, the holy shit you look incredible shock. It was the kind of shock, Yara thought, she had when her father, who perpetually had a mustache, shaved it off one day. Whether or not he looked younger or better was irrelevant. It wasn't him. It was uncanny, disconcerting. Jamie tried to hide it, but she just kept staring and losing her place in conversation on the way to Yara's house. Yara could see Jamie's mind spinning, but she ignored it, understanding that it takes time to get used to such change. The other issue stemmed around Yara's eating and workout schedule. Jamie didn't mind hitting the gym once or twice, but began to complain about Yara's rigidity, how their plans had to revolve around Yara's two workouts a day and eating. Yara compromised by waking up extra early for workout one, going twice as long and hard, and forgoing the second one. The eating was tougher, but Yara managed to tiptoe out of bed for her midnight refeeds and doubled the calories and the shakes she sipped on all day. They actually had fun going out to lunch and dinner, trying out all the best local places, though Yara couldn't eat as much as she wanted in front of Jamie. Yara thought Jamie was cool with everything. After all, they had fun, and Yara made her compromises. But on the last day, when they had planned on a picnic followed by a trip to a museum, she learned Jamie was not so cool about everything. They got to talking about Jamie's wedding plans. With her moving out of state to be with her fiancé, they decided to hold off on wedding planning until the stress of relocating settled, and it finally had. Jamie was excited now to start thinking about what kind of venue, color scheme, and dresses she wanted. They decided they would use the picnic as a time to start looking at magazines and Pinterest boards, as, of course, Yara would be the maid of honor. 
Yara honestly wasn't even aware of what she said or how she said it. She meant to be helpful. She couldn't think of a bride who didn't consider tightening up her diet and exercise in anticipation of her wedding. It's just what women do. She casually mentioned this amazing online boot camp she was doing and how they could maybe work out together on Zoom to get in shape for the wedding. Jamie nodded, but the energy on that picnic blanket as they sat in front of a massive charcuterie spread shifted, and Yara felt her stomach form into a tight knot. She tried to engage Jamie with a few wedding-related questions, but Jamie's girlish excitement had gone flat. Her dreamy tangents had reduced to one-word answers. Yara was about to ask what was wrong, but Jamie spared her the effort. Who said I wanted to lose weight? Huh? Yara replied. She didn't recall saying that. You assumed I wanted to lose weight. I didn't say anything about weight, Yara insisted. You mentioned the workouts, about getting in shape. Do you think I need to change my body for the wedding? That tight knot in Yara's stomach felt like it was trying to burst its way out like a scene from a horror movie. Oh, God, no, I didn't mean it that way. I just thought, thought what, Yara? It's just brides, you know, they, not all brides, Yara. Not everyone is as obsessed with their weight as you are. And there it was. That little nagging feeling Yara had felt the entire visit, that despite the fun they had and the accommodations she had made, there was still something in the air between them. That's not fair. Is it? Is it not fair? Jamie asked. This was new. Jamie wasn't a pushover, but she hardly ever got angry or raised her voice with Yara. No, I'm not obsessed. I just want to better myself. To be healthy. Jamie snickered in a way that made Yara feel small. (laughs) Healthy? Do you think it's healthy to always obsess over how much you weigh? To constantly feel guilty about food? To let some asshole neighbor treat you like a free babysitter because you think you only deserve things based on your looks? Yara sat there, unable to gather the words to respond. Had Jamie always felt this way? How do you think it makes me feel, huh? Look at me, Yara. Yara did. She saw her best friend, someone she loved dearly. I've always been bigger than you, always. And yet you sit there and whine about how disgusting you are, how fat you are, how you need to lose weight. How do you think I'm supposed to feel about that? How am I supposed to think of the way you see me? Yara hadn't ever thought about that. All her venting was never about Jamie. It was about her own self-loathing. None of those things were ever about you. Of course they are. Anytime you talk like that about yourself, you are endorsing that attitude. I have a pretty good head on my shoulders, but I am human. I have my own body image issues I have worked on, and frankly, it has become more and more triggering to be your friend. Yara felt her head spinning. That last sentence, it felt like something between them was on the verge of being severed. She felt hot, panicked. I think you're beautiful. I think you're amazing, Jamie. If you did, then you wouldn't say those things about yourself. You can't talk about how gross you think you are because you aren't a size two without implying the same about me. In fact, you just did. You just told me I don't look good enough for my own wedding. Yara desperately clawed for a response to halt the momentum of the blow up. I never said that. I would never think that. You know, I have kept my mouth shut. I tried to be subtle, words of encouragement, affirmation, tried to say the right things to get you to reframe your thinking. I hoped you'd be exhausted by now, exhausted by the weight of hating yourself. 
I know your mom is a pill. I know the things she says, but do you want to be that same woman to your daughter you might have one day? Do you want to be that to yourself? Yara had always seen her mother as the source of her unhappiness, that she wasn't pretty enough or thin enough to please her, a person to tolerate because she meant well. She wanted the best for her. But she hadn't seen the obvious, that she had become her, that long before mom was mom, she was a young woman, hating her own body, poisoned by her own mother's harsh yet well-meaning criticisms. No, I would never. I hear what you're saying, and I'm sorry for how I made you feel. You always seemed so confident. I always felt like I could lean on you and vent about how I felt. But I'm happy now. I am. Being thin doesn't have to mean being unhappy. You've seen me eating more than I probably ever have. I don't obsess over portions or calories. You work out two times a day, and you won't even take a day off for my visit. What's wrong with exercise? It makes me feel energized. I know about the binges. Yara felt like she might pass out, throw up, or some combination of the two. What are you talking about? Yara asked. She hoped Jamie just meant the larger-than-usual portions she had been eating at their restaurant visits. Every night, when she slipped out of bed, she made sure Jamie was fast asleep. She would peek down the hall occasionally to see if Jamie had gotten up. Every time she returned to the bed they were sharing, Jamie looked serene. Your nighttime binges? I woke up one night to pee and I heard you in there. You were so engrossed in your binge you didn't even notice me. I saw the giant pitcher, and I can't believe I'm about to ask this, but were you eating raw meat? Shame poured over Yara like viscous steaming tar, so that she could hardly move her mouth to speak. Jamie knew her shameful secret, one that she tried to leave in the dark of the night, one she didn't even acknowledge herself in the light of day, that ever since the night she first ate the raw chicken, not only had she continued to feed, but she had grown a taste for difficult-to-digest raw animal protein. It soothed her. It took longer to pass through her system. It allowed her some peace before the next flood of urges began. Yara had thought the pill would liberate her from her diets and painfully obsessing over macros and micros and calories, but she was as much a slave to all those things as ever. She wasn't ready to admit that to herself, let alone Jamie. You, you don't understand. When you work out as hard as I do, when you're building muscle. Jamie just stared at her. Her facial expression communicated everything she felt without a word. You are so full of shit. It's a new type of paleo. It's farm-raised. Yara just stopped at that point. There was nothing she could say. This isn't healthy. You may no longer be starving yourself, but this is something else. You can be anorexic and be fat. You can look like a fitness model and stuff your face until you make yourself sick. I know the world is validating this. I know Vic is giving you attention. But this can't be the best version of you. Do you want to be a slave to this? Do you want someone who would only want you when you look like that? Yara was churning inside like a hot spring, the bubbling toxicity inside her having nowhere to go but out. Why can't you just be happy for me? She snapped. Why can't you just be happy that I'm happy? Maybe you're jealous. Maybe now that I'm finally not the sad sack and I'm confident and look like this, you can't be the one who has it all together. Maybe you should do something about your own unhealthy weight before trying to lecture me about mine. As soon as she said it, Yara regretted it. She didn't mean it. She just wanted to make it all stop. She didn't like the mirror that Jamie had held up, and she had to find a way to shatter it. And shatter she did. Jamie's face turned so 
so sad. Her eyes welled up. Okay, she nodded. Okay. There was a resoluteness to her tone, a somber acceptance. Wait, I'm sorry, Yara said. Jamie started to rise up from the ground. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Jamie said nothing. She simply grabbed her things. I still have the spare key you gave me. Just give me a head start to pack my things. Yara bolted up. You can't leave like this. Come on. I was just upset. I think the world of you. You're my favorite person on earth. Please. Jamie didn't look at her and quietly opened a rideshare app. Please, just respect I need space. I'll lock up and leave the key under the mat. Yara knew insisting would only make things worse, and so she just stood there as her best friend walked away, possibly forever. For the first time in a long time, Yara wasn't hungry. She was sick with grief over the fight. She packed the cooler and decided she would walk home to give Jamie the time she needed to pack her things. Yara was devastated as she walked through the buzzing city streets, an energy she vied with these days, keeping her rushed pace from one task to the next. But the weight of what had just transpired was so heavy, she was slowed, sluggish. And though she would do anything to erase the past hour, there was a small relief in being able to slow down, to not have to burn off the perpetual stream of energy she had now, and to not have to attend to the hunger. As it so often does, Bad news likes company. Halfway into her walk home, her phone buzzed. Alert! Your Ultra Perks credit card has reached its limit. We will honor any pending charges, but new charges will be denied. She was numb to the news. She didn't have the bandwidth to tackle that now. Yara wasn't sure if she wanted Jamie to still be there when she got home. She didn't know how to fix things yet. The wounds from their battle were still bloody and sore. Nothing productive would come of it. The key under the welcome mat saved her from holding her breath while opening the door. She trudged into her silent apartment and went to her kitchen to put her picnic basket on the counter. There was a note waiting for her. Yara, there are no hard feelings between us. I'm not doing this out of spite or vengeance, but I don't think this friendship is healthy for me any longer. I'm not closing the page on it, but I think I may have enabled you to some degree. And in that process, I have come to see I may be hurting myself. I'm in a new chapter of my life. I love Preston dearly, and I need to focus on our new life, our wedding, and all the stresses that come with that. There's just too much baggage now for me to do that in a healthy way with you as my bridesmaid. I hope you understand. I'm going to need space for a while. Please don't try to contact me. This is already so hard. I love you. I truly want the best for you. I'm hoping this space will give you room to heal as well. Jamie. Yara slumped, leaning her weight onto the counter in front of her. She understood, but it didn't feel real. They had been friends since the sixth grade. They had gone through every milestone together so far. She held on to a sliver of hope that this was just a note written in the blood of the wounds Liara had opened, that as they started to heal over, Jamie would want to talk and that Yara would still be at her wedding in some form. Who knows how long she stood there in silent mourning. Jamie was the person Yara would speak to about this, the person who would console her. This time, she had to sit with it all, let it stew inside her. Then, there was a knock on her door. She half-heartedly collected herself, but in the blur of the day's events, she didn't care to keep up appearances for some delivery man at the door. 
But it was Vic who was on the other side. His smile vanished when he saw her face, the red swollen eyes, the way all color had been drained. Are you okay? he asked. Yara's instincts to brush it all away, to say it was no big deal, to remain the cool girl who never got overly emotional over a girl fight, they didn't have any fuel. Instead, seeing a friendly face, perhaps someone who could comfort her, allowed her the space to weep again. Vic let himself inside and embraced her. He was so warm, and he smelled so like himself in a way she had only previously been able to observe from a friendly distance. His hug made her feel so small and protected in his arms. She managed to get a few words out, about a fight with Jamie, about her new habits, how she had changed. To Vic, it sounded like a jealous friend, someone who was unable to cope with her average friend becoming a hottie. He told her it would be okay, that this stuff happened, and that sometimes you grow out of friendships. She found comfort in those words, though she knew that wasn't the full story. She just wanted to be the center of his world. They had shared flirty touches, high fives, two long glances these past weeks, but it was undeniable. They wanted each other. She looked the best she had ever looked. He was the man coming to her rescue, just like in the romance novels. This was it. It didn't take guts to kiss Vic. It was the inevitable conclusion to this moment. He kissed her back. Then they stumbled over to the sofa never once parting their bodies or lips, and made Yara's dream come true. It must have been the exhaustion from the fight, the grief, and then the multiple lovemaking sessions with Vic, but Yara fell asleep without dinner and slept well into the night. But emotions and hormones come and go, and when they wash away, the rebound can be strong. That night, she woke up the way someone might from a nightmare, shooting up in her bed, She looked over at Vic, who was staying the night. Her stomach churned with a haunting groan, but luckily she had a soundscape running. Yara had been using that as a way to make sneaking out of the bedroom easier during Jamie's visit. Jamie had busted her, and that should have been a warning to not make the same gamble, but she had no choice. She was quaking with hunger. She felt irritable, wired, and yet weak. She had to eat. Yara tiptoed out of the bedroom and then ran to the kitchen. She would do a better job listening to her Vic than she had for Jamie. If he came, she would play off her hunger as a cute quirk just this one night, tell him that his sexual prowess had built up her appetite. This had been the longest she had gone without feeding in weeks. She was desperate with hunger. That desperation turned to despair when she opened her bare fridge and cupboards. She had dinner plans with Jamie that didn't turn out, and then she planned on getting groceries after that, but all those plans went out the window. Then she remembered the text. Her card was maxed out. She was out of all her cash. Her paycheck wouldn't hit for a few days. Her eyes went over to the basket on the counter. She ran to it and pulled out what was left, a sleeve of crackers, half a summer sausage, some pancetta, some chunks of cheese, and one and a half bottles of wine. She could eat the condiments in the fridge and the unopened jar of olives and taco shells in the cupboard. She nearly cried with relief and despair. It was something. Not enough to satisfy, but something. Yara shoveled fistfuls of cheese and crackers and cured meats into her mouth. It tasted like heaven on her tongue. Having not eaten in so long allowed her taste buds to appreciate food once again. 
She popped open the jar of pitted olives and poured them into her mouth, juice and all, only stopping to breathe and chew. During those pauses, she chugged down the cheap cabernet, throwing her head back and gulping like a pelican swallowing a fish. Every calorie was precious, so she tried not to spill them, but the urgency with which her body craved nutrients made that impossible as streams of olive juice and wine trickled down the sides of her mouth and neck. Finally, she was done. She sighed in relief. The screaming hunger was quelled to a whine. Then, she became aware of herself. The strong aroma of olive juice on her shirt, the red wine stains on her face and neck, the containers and paper strewn about as she sat on the floor. She bowed her head and clenched at the roots of her luxurious mane, but shame became horror as a clump slipped out into her hand. The room started to spin as she tried to understand. Was this a side effect? Was this from simply missing a few meals? Did her new metabolism, the one she dreamt of, stole for, and lost her best friend over, run so inefficiently that missing a few feedings was enough to start causing her hair to fall out? She didn't have enough time to ponder. She had to dispose of the evidence of her secret shame, and that she did. Yara woke up just a few minutes before Vic, her head foggy from the wine. Before Lipolethros, all that alcohol would have sent her vomiting and kept her in bed all day, but her metabolism affected that too. She hadn't actually slept well, though. She was worried about the hair loss and how she would get her next meal. It felt like something was inside her stomach, clawing at it, demanding her attention. As she took stock of the new shed hairs on her pillow, Vic stirred awake with a smile. Good morning, gorgeous, he said. Good morning, I had a lot of fun last night, Vic said, rolling over to face Yara. Me too, Yara replied, trying to appreciate the moment that the hunger was stealing from her. He looked at her and held a smile, the kind that lets you know there are unsaid thoughts behind it. What? she said. I shouldn't say it. His half-grin was adorable as he brushed his hair out of his face. You should, she said. I don't want to freak you out. You won't, I promise. She almost wanted it to be freaked out by him. That way, when she inevitably did the same to him, they would be even. Well, we've known each other for a while now, spent a lot of time together, so I hope this doesn't feel like I'm rushing things, but as a single dad, it's been hard dating. There just aren't women out there who fit the bill, who are beautiful and smart and could take care of me and the kids. I really see a future for us. She failed, or didn't want to hear, or maybe was too distracted by the mounting desire in her belly, the subtext in those words. She had long proven her nurturing tendencies, her ability to put him and the kids before her own needs. She had never nagged him about watching the little ones. She had never cared that he didn't clean up after himself whenever he hung out at her place. But she wasn't fuckable until now. What she heard was that he needed her, that this wasn't a fling, that she finally got her dream guy and she would demand that raise. Vic wasn't just using her, he was choosing her. It was okay that he desired her new look. After all, much of her obsession with him had to do with his looks. It was only fair they matched. Before she could say anything, his phone lit up on the nightstand. He turned and then jolted up. His ex's name was prominently displayed on the screen. I'll be down in a sec. No, I didn't forget. I just stepped out for a minute. The muffled voice on the other line was shrill. He pulled the phone away and jumped out of bed in one motion. 
Shit, he muttered, looking around for his clothes. I forgot. I have the kids today. My ex is waiting at my front door with them. I'll be right back. This was not the morning she had hoped for, and her belly was starting to rumble angrily. But she would have to get used to managing childcare schedules if she wanted to be with Vic. She'd make sure to get him a calendar and teach him how to schedule his time better. He was back up in a few minutes, the kids too young to understand the nuances of custody arrangements, and happy to hop onto Yara's all-too-familiar sofa to watch cartoons. Vic was jovial, but seemed distracted by his phone, texting as the children settled. Eventually, he looked up with a pained expression. God, I feel so awful asking this, but... Yara's heart sank. She knew this monologue. She had seen it before. This morning can't get any worse. I just had someone calling sick to work and they need me to come in. Oh, Yara replied against the high-pitched soundscape of cartoons. Could you... He motioned toward the kids. What could she say? He had to go to work. If they were going to get serious, maybe even married someday, she would be helping him manage the stuff anyway. Yeah, okay. How long are you going to be, you think? I won't know until I get there and see how far along they are. I'll try to get back as fast as I can. Yara tried not to act panicked, but she needed food and she had no money. Hey, my fridge is empty. Do you have some cash so I can feed the kiddos? Uh, they had breakfast, so they should be good for a while. He pulled out his wallet. Shit, this is all I have. He handed her a $20 bill, enough to get some cheap pizza, but it wouldn't keep the hunger at bay. She'd already eaten so little since her fight with Jamie, and the hunger was accumulating with each passing moment, making her feel grumpy and lightheaded. Yara accepted the cash. She didn't want to tell him about her money problems. Thanks, babe. You're the best. He kissed her on the forehead. Then she saw his phone flash. He glanced down. I gotta run. She called her mother as soon as the door closed, hoping she could borrow some money, but got no answer. Then she remembered. Mom was on a cruise. At fucking sea. As the feral hunger and frustration built, she had a feeling, an urge to peer out the window. What she saw shattered her heart in a million pieces. That same car pulled up, with the guys and the girl who threw herself at him. Music blared from the open windows. It didn't make sense. She was finally all the things he wanted. Yara felt herself go numb again, the way she had just after her argument with Jamie, almost catatonic. She held her phone in her trembling hand as she waited for Domino's to open, where she calculated she could get the most calories for $20. Vic was in a good mood, though a little concerned, when he had texted Yara that he was on his way and hadn't gotten a reply. He figured the gang had taken a late afternoon nap. It was already almost 5.30 p.m. Time had a tendency to escape him like that. He felt a little shitty about lying to her, but he had plans with his crew, one he wasn't ready to introduce to Yara. The fellas were the ball-busting type, and this chick he was messing with was there too. Besides, who would watch the kids then? He did genuinely forget. He didn't mean to. It was just that there was always so much going on. Court usually reminded him of his weekends the day before. And she had, but he missed the texts while hooking up with Yara. It was an honest mistake. Yara was cool. Really cool. And damn, she was smoking hot. He was a little worried, though, that she might get tubby again. But she was perfect otherwise, so he was willing to take the risk. He would make sure they stayed on their running routine. 
He didn't really want any more kids, so hopefully she wouldn't get pregnant. He was getting ahead of himself, he knew, but he did feel connected to her in a way he hadn't toward any chick in a long time. Vic knocked on the door. There was no answer. They must still be napping. He was an optimist like that. The world opened up to Vic wherever he went. Good things happened to him, and the bad things hadn't been so bad. Like when he broke his arm playing soccer junior year of high school, it sucked, but he still got to play and everyone wrote funny things on his cast. He didn't want to wake them and remembered that Yara had mentioned something about how her dumpy, jealous friend left. He lifted the mat. Score. There it was. When he opened the door, he finally felt that inkling in his gut, that something might not be right. Cartoons rang in the house, and yet there was a silence that was buried beneath it. Of course, napping people are silent, but call it a sixth sense. This was a different kind of quiet. Yara? He called out as he walked in. The mini foyer blocking his view of the living room. That's when he saw the first smudge of blood on the wall. There was no response, but his ears perked up to a sound. Something that wasn't part of the nonsense blaring from the TV. A squelching sound. Meaty. Squishy. Wet. It would take a while for him to truly process the sight in front of him. He had to be hospitalized for an entire week just to be able to function again. The normally tidy living room was bathed in blood. Yara's pale gray sofa was now a deep crimson, almost black in parts. In a gleaming red pool on one of the sofa cushions was a pile of scattered bones. What stuck out to him most was the tiny skull with a tuft of matted hair. The little striped shirt and jeans he had last seen his son wearing was tattered on the floor just in front of the sofa. Vic looked over to the car seat. In it were the tiniest remnants of bone. So small like chewed-up bird bones. He staggered back against the television, knocking it over as distorted wails of horror escaped him. Through the screams, chunks of vomit sprayed from his mouth. Who had done this? Was this some sort of animal attack? Where was Yara? The squelching sounds continued from down the hall in the bedroom. Was the monster who did this still there? Was Yara still alive? Covered in the putrid smell of regurgitated eggs, Benedict, and beer, he ran down the hall. It's hard to say when exactly he understood what happened. These things lose their chronology. They have their own sense of time and order. Though he would eventually come to understand as he watched Yara, sitting in a pool of her own blood, gnawing on what remained of her forearm. Most of it was to the bone, moaning in a type of ecstasy. The utterances reminded him of the kind of sounds you make after biting into a juicy burger after an arduous day of hiking. That's when she noticed him. She looked up, her mouth and cheeks covered in bright red blood and chunks of flesh and bone. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. A tear streamed down her cheek the clear droplet disappearing into the congealed mix of matter that had likely once been his children. I can't stop the hunger. Ugh.